probably where uh, I'm sitting, like we've gotten job offers from previous clients and stuff like that. I mean, you're looking at starting around 150K uh, for okay. that level of experience for product manager. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Dan Moore. He's been a programmer since age eight and Georgia Tech grad in computer science. He's now the product lead and CEO of Vaporware, a B2B SaaS product consultancy that helps entrepreneurs take their ideas to market. Using lean practices, they work with on a fixed budget, flexible scope project initiatives that help leaders make smart bets and innovation uh, where folks don't know all the facts when they do get started. Dan, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So just to be clear here, you are not a SaaS company. You're an agency that does a lot of work on maybe MVPs or specific product features for SaaS companies. Correct. I see. When did you get started on this? Did you have your own SaaS company? Um, we founded as a C Corp in Delaware specifically or S Corp in Delaware specifically to uh, tackle our own SaaS problems. Uh, what we realized was uh, our ideas were kind of shit, uh, didn't, didn't work well in the market. And um, we ended up finding other people in local startup communities. So this was back in 2013 and fell into consulting because we were actually really good at building software. And then later on, 2015, um, I got more into that product management marketing side um, because I realized that uh, that was a, a very hard problem, not just for ourselves, but for everyone. Uh, so product market fit is uh, where we've specialized ever since. Mm-hmm. And okay, got it. So you launched doing this and then realized, hey, you should just do this for other people and have them pay you sort of a fee. Help me understand pricing wise, right? So if a SaaS company comes to you and they want to have you launch, you know, an MVP, are you handling design, development, architecture, information, all that? Yeah, everything. So uh, we work with a lot of people that have never done it before. Uh, and uh, typically, uh, like, brand new getting the market doing some uh manual mvps or lean customer development like you're talking 25k kind of thing um all the way up to existing businesses that uh, have done this a lot and are willing to invest a lot more kind of have more faith maybe have done some of that testing with their customers already and are looking to scale those ideas and so that starts at around the 100k level okay got it so 25 to 100k sort of style projects and how many customers will you work with at any given sort of one time so we have uh, two pods of people. Um, right now, uh, what we like to do is focus a month at a time on a single project. So um, keeping it that steady is definitely uh, a challenge in the consulting business. So, mm-hmm. um, But in, in general, we like to focus a single pod on one person so, or one, one product. 
Well, so explain these pods for me because if people want to sort of copy your model internally, these are the people they have to go hire. So how have you decided, like what is the most efficient pod to build to get your MVP out as fast as possible at a high quality? I would suggest one product manager um, and we actually split that. So that's myself between the two pods, um, but then one designer on a pod and then two developers. So it's kind of half product manager, uh, twice as much of that on design and twice as much of that on development. And explain the development. I mean, is it a front end and back end sort of combo? Yeah, typically um, for new software applications, front end person, uh, we recommend like our, we basically have defaults and then for all sorts of different scenarios, we can go off into different technologies and work on different things. But um, for us, we recommend front end JavaScript, uh, React on, on web and uh, desktop for like Electron uh, desktop applications. And then on mobile, you have React Native. So that one person that's consuming the API um, is directly correlated to the one person developing the API if you have a back-end person. Um, there's a lot more that we can do differently once you get into different technologies and all sorts of other stuff. And if people are going to hire these folks full-time instead of paying you sort of a twenty-five dollars to $100,000 consulting fee, let's just go through them real quick. What would someone expect in the U.S. to pay for a product manager? Um, probably where uh, I'm sitting, like we've gotten job offers from previous clients and stuff like that. I mean, you're looking at starting around 150K uh, for okay. that level of experience for a product manager. So you cut that time in half. Uh, so what about the what about that designer? Uh, they're pretty high up there as well. So um, probably around 120, 130, something like that. And then front end. Um, front end. So front end's a mixed bag. You're getting a lot of people coming out of like coding boot camps and stuff like that these days. Um, but I mean, uh, where we're focused on is really high quality expert level people that have been doing this for years, like way before React and some of these technologies came out. So it really depends on what you're what you're looking for. But I mean, coding boot campers, um, I don't know. I've seen some crazy stuff of like people uh, while they're still in college accepting six figures uh, for for jobs. Uh, if you were if you were gonna if you were gonna build a third pod for your company and you were hiring a front end person at your standards, what would that be? Um, so our standards are pretty high. We look at uh, communication a lot more than just technical ability, um, and like being able to move and. Uh, rapidly is, is definitely a part of that. So that expert level person, I'd probably still put out like 110, 120. And what about your backend person? A um, little bit higher than that. So 120, 130. Interesting. Okay, cool. So the product manager really is most expensive. What does the DNA of that product manager look like? Were they a designer at one point, a developer at one point? What, what does their background look like? Um, it depends. So uh, I like to focus on someone that's technically capable as well. Um, part of moving so quickly is understanding. Uh, there's a great book called Range by uh, David Epstein that talks about knowing a lot of different things um, and, and juggling a lot of different things at the same time. So from that perspective, um, like they, could, they could have a language background. Um, they don't have to have a background in the industry itself. So we do a lot of different B2B industry work. And uh, you know that helps you cut some of the research time down but most of our clients bring that to us as opposed to us having to do that research for them. So it's really the skills on translating uh, and empathizing with customers more so than anything else on that product management side. Yep. Do you allow people, I mean, one of the, one of the problems I always had when I used to use agencies around the sort of size, you know, 20,000 contracts is it's always tricky, you know, 
an MVP doesn't start and stop by nature. It's like, it's, it's highly iterative. And so there has, like, if you're doing a project, there's usually an end date and the friction between project end date and you guys handing off the project to the internal developer at the company, it's usually actually a pretty high amount of friction unless they just keep renewing with you to do ongoing maintenance. So how do you recommend people think about that? Yeah, it's a great question. So the 25 range is definitely on the lower end. Um, where we've had the best luck with that is for uh, software as a service companies that are going through some kind of um, incubator or accelerator that are looking to, um, essentially they're in talks with the CTO, but at the same time they're getting pressures from their investors or other mentors to just put something out there kind of thing. And so it's a very early stage of the product. Um, and the handoff is more on, um, or the goal of the MVP is always to learn one specific thing. So with that specific learning of, here's the one thing that we're testing out, uh, here's the one thing we wanna know, it's not necessarily this um, graceful handoff that scales uh, into infinity. It's a very quick and dirty uh, kind of way of solving the problem. On the larger side of that, um, uh, well, hold on. So is the code useless, right? I mean, if I pay you 25 grand, I'm going through an accelerator and then you deliver it and you're done. Then I bring on a CTO. I mean, did we have to rewrite all the code? Um, no. So it, well, it depends on what you want to use it for. So uh, one hand, why we named our company Vaporware is uh, because to sell a product, um, it doesn't have to exist. So we're not building something that doesn't exist. We're building something that tests a specific problem. And if you're able to take the learnings from that specific problem, either through that code, like a front end side of it, but strip out the back end that maybe didn't scale the same way. So that's where that natural front end back end split uh, is really valuable. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of one solution. Uh, the other solution is, you know, maybe that solves a specific problem for one specific user set, but not for everybody. And so you integrate it as a, a different piece of a solution. So when we work with um, larger companies, that's where, uh, they typically bring us in for some kind of specific integration, test out a new market, um, and do customer development with some MVP feature set. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not designed to say, yes, this is how we're going to take our, our this one specific product to market and scale it wildly. It's, is this enough work and is this enough investment to get the real feedback that we need from customers signing checks versus just filling out an interest form and kind of do a smoke and mirrors uh, presentation or something. Like mm -hmm. that. So it's, it is to some degree designed to be a uh, throwaway in terms of does that. So you're a super asset? expensive slide deck. You're like envision, but it's actually live and it costs 25 grand minimum. Yes. That's one way <laughs> to think about it. <laughs> My preference would be if I liked working with you and let's say I paid you 50 grand, I'm going to call up at the end and say, Dan, I want to hire this pod. I'm willing to pay him half a million a year. And you're going to say, no, they're my best talents. I don't, you can't have my pod. You cannot bring them internal. But I imagine there's a lot of people that that's what they would want to do. That, that would be my natural instinct. Yeah. And I, I think where we've been able to stay away from that is what we provide in a consulting company for our own employees is uh, the ability to um, scale and work on different things in a very rapid environment. That's different than if you were, underneath one architecture and one uh, product solution for the next yeah. year even. Yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah. a long time when talking to a software developer. So. Yeah, so when did you guys launch the agency? What year? 
Uh, we officially launched in 2013, uh, came over full time. So we took a really risk adverse approach, saved up money, uh, had full time jobs before then, came over full time January 2015. So we're now. And give me, give me a sense of like 2019, right? So last year, about how, how much revenue do you guys do and how many people? Um, so we were at eight last year, uh, did about 1.2 uh, yep. million. That's good. So, I mean, nice business, great lifestyle business, you know, makes people, you know, uh, gives people enough freedom where they can sort of do what they want in life and, and, and get what they want. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, like we had really strong revenue share programs. We, we all realized what this business is. I mean, definitely looking at other SaaS companies and um, all the clients we work with, it's totally different numbers game. Tell me what you mean by that. You, you have a rev share program? Yeah. So in, instead of um, uh, like we have a bunch of uh, odd benefits that you don't typically see in SaaS companies. So um, we stick to 40 hour work weeks. Um, we uh, did something for all of 2019, which was four, uh, four days a week on client work and one day on whatever you want, which a lot of it was growing the business kind of thing and, and going after new customers. But um, uh, and then the revenue share program, um, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head. Uh, we, we switched that. So it was essentially uh, those 120K uh, kind of price ranges for people. We were looking to um, see if we can attract the right kind of talent that is interested in uh, uncapped salaries uh, and bringing in more clients and being more a part of the core business essentially looking at like co-op models and employee owners and stuff like that, trying to come up with a solution um, to attract people that were willing to take risk with us. So. so someone's listening to this right now, they've got some capital, they may raise a hundred grand, they're about to go through 500 startups, or maybe they got into a accelerator, like Excel prize, maybe down there in the research triangle even, and they say, you know what, I want to, I want to get a product together quickly. Dan, I'm going to be, I'm going to be huge. I'm going to be so successful. I, I, I don't mind your 50K price point, but I only want to pay 20K. Can I pay you 20K and give you 2% of the company? Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're talking investment model. Um, Yes. So we tie it to specific growth uh, opportunities and um, look at it more from an investment standpoint. Um, and that is uh, the few times that we've taken that on. So last year, I think we did it twice out of the 20 or so clients um, that we were looking at. So about 10%. Um, it was based on the people. Uh, it was based on uh, as both the client people and the people inside of our company willing to take that risk. So yeah, because you've got it. You've essentially got it. You're you're guessing. You're guessing me as a founder coming to you. You're saying, is this guy Nathan? Is he gonna be successful? Will his equity be worth anything, or would you just stick to having him pay us forty grand cash right now? And that's a tough thing. You basically, I'm a VC at that point. Yep. So it, it muddies that relationship, uh, and but it fits in well with our model because we're looking uh, as experts and coming in to these SaaS startup companies or mid-sized companies as uh, advisors as well. So mm -hmm. we're able to, um, I, I mean, that's one thing that kind of separates all of our relationships from most development firms is we don't just build what people tell us to build. Um, like with that product management in-house, we're able to say, no, that's a terrible idea. Don't go down that path what you want is this other thing and we'll help you get to that learning uh, in half the price. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Really focused on that. All right, Dan, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Business book. Um, lean customer development. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? 
Um, I don't know if he technically calls himself a CEO, but Simon Sinek. Number three, what is your favorite online tool for building your company? Hmm. Um, LinkedIn. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Nine. Okay, and what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married kids. How many kids? Uh, one girl who just turned one and one boy who's about to turn three. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And how old are you? I am oh, shit. <laughs> uh, 31. 31. Last question. What do you wish you knew when you were 20? Ooh. I wish I knew I could get into business a lot sooner. Guys, there you have a vaporware. Uh, for 25 to 50K, they will help you get your SaaS MVP sort of launched, especially if you're targeted on learning sort of one thing uh, or kind of think of it almost like a, a PowerPoint deck, but on serious steroids because it actually works. You can actually sell it. Dan, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me.